The Arizona Cardinals, the Cleveland Browns, the Houston Texans, and the Miami Dolphins. Somebody has to finish last, but could these teams be the ones? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Ultimate NFL Preview. I'm Kainani Stevens. This is a seven-part series detailing the biggest questions, misconceptions, and storylines from all eight divisions. You'll get insight and analysis from our local Locked On hosts that know these teams better than anyone else. Find out where your teams and your favorite players stack up from a division perspective and a national perspective. You can find all seven episodes on Locked On NFL's YouTube page or wherever you get your podcasts. The Ultimate NFL Preview is brought to you by prize picks go to prizepicks.com slash locked on nfl and use code locked on nfl for a first deposit match of up to a hundred dollars this conversation definitely got personal at times but ultimately one team from each division is going to finish last but not everybody agreed on who the houston texans finished last in the afc south last season but who will take that unfortunate title this season john hickman of locked on texans zach hicks of locked on colts tyler Rowland of locked on titans and tony wiggins of locked on jaguars fight it out tony the jags finished first so let's start with you who finishes last the tennessee titans gonna be at the bottom <laughs> of the AFC South. i don't know what y'all thought i was gonna say i'm gonna tell you right now that's what I'm, i just think any team that has a, an offensive line that is like something that you're really thinking about that's a bad sign they can make a whole football team look bad when you can't block people when you can't run yourself and then you can't control the ball and then your guys get tired on defense it is like the worst problem to have as a unit um i I agree with deandre hopkins the addition uh, of deandre hopkins and what it brings i just don't think ryan Tannehill is going to revert to be back to the ryan Tannehill from two or three years ago and i do trust and like mike vrabel but a lot of attrition a new gm a lot of first round picks that didn't work guys that had legal issues or whatever Tim Kelly, by the way. Too much of that over a a short period of time is hard for anybody to overcome, no no matter how good of a coach you are. All right, Tyler, who's coming in last this year? Well, while while I appreciate uh, Tony's choice there, uh, I think it's absurd. Uh, A Mike Vrabel (laughs) team, uh, even with all of its backups in, isn't going to finish last, unfortunately, too, because I think it, it might be the best thing in the world for the Titans to have a terrible season and get Caleb Williams or Drake May. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think the reality here is the Indianapolis Colts are going to finish last in the division, and I think that is the best thing that can happen for the Indianapolis Colts. I think the best thing the Colts could do right now is trade Jonathan Taylor. You don't want to pay a running back anyway. Get some value for him before it's too late. Win less games this year. Hopefully, the best thing that can happen to the Colts is they end up with Marvin Harrison Jr. or Fashanu, the offensive tackle out of uh, Penn State, or Joe Alt from Notre Dame on the offensive line. The best thing that could happen for the Colts this year is to be absolutely terrible. See some flashes from Anthony Richardson to maintain hope. Trade off some guys. That need to be gone. I I I like the defense. Tony talked about the defense earlier, but some of those guys, like Shaquille Leonard, isn't what he once was. Even if he comes back, I don't necessarily believe that. They had to let go of Isaiah Rogers because of the gambling thing. I think the Colts could use some top draft picks. They could restack that roster to allow for Anthony Richardson to grow into the next version of the Colts. So I think it's going to be the Colts that finish last in this division. And honestly, I think it's the best thing that could ever happen for Indianapolis. And it, Makes me sick to say that, but it's the truth. Tyler's basically trying to do a 2023 of suck for luck over here. Are they going to go full? Are they going to go full? You know, campaign losing campaign Zach, or do you think they're going to actually try to win? 
You know, like I said, I'm coming into these these segments that we're doing without any kind of conflict in mind. Zach I'm not so gonna, like you guys could say he we is so suck. defeated right now. Look you at it. Look at his no, eyes. No, it's the opposite. It's the it's complete freedom. opposite. It's freedom. Yeah, it's the no complete opposite because we were what the Tennessee Titans were, but just a little lesser the last couple of years. Yes. Whereas we kept treading the company line, keep somewhat, <clears> you know, right in that playoff conversation every year, just to either lose in the first round or not make it. And that's a horrible place to be. I'm sorry, Tyler. It's, it's a sad place to be when you're just a playoff team that has no chance at winning the Super Bowl. Now the Colts are in year one of a four to five year rebuild. You know, it, it, this is not about 2022 or 2021 or 2023. It's not about this next coming season. It's about where Anthony Richardson, where Shane Steichen and where the Indianapolis Colts are in 2024, 2025, 2026. Now, when it comes to this, this upcoming season, which team's going to finish last, I think it ultimately comes down to the Texans and Colts because you just don't know what's going to happen with rookie head coach and rookie quarterbacks. And those team, these two teams, you know, they have some talent, they have some good players, and we're all optimistic about the coaches and the quarterbacks, but you just never know how it's actually going to happen. They could get out there day one, and either one, I'm not even just talking about Richardson or Stroud here, and they could just not be playing up to the potential or, or kind of where we see them being. So, yeah, when it comes to who's going to finish last, I think either Texans or Colts are a good option. But honestly, if the Indianapolis Colts do finish last in the AFC South, I'm with Tyler. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing unless Richardson's regressing throughout the year. As long as he's getting better each and every week, the Colts go 0-17. Or if we go 0-17 this next season, perfectly fine by me. We're, we're just chilling here at the bottom of the AFC South. Houston can't afford to be the worst team because that pick goes directly to Arizona. Yeah, so I'm true. definitely riding with everybody else. I think it will be the Colts, and it does come down to Houston and Indy. But I think what separates those two teams right now, uh, I haven't had an opportunity to get a full deep dive on your defense in Indy, but the Texans may have a top 10 secondary this year. I will go as far as saying with the addition of Jimmy Ward, top seven in the league. You guys, what we've seen out of Derek Stingley, but Steven Nelson bringing him back, uh, Jalen Petrie going into his sophomore year. Will Anderson has been good. So I think this defense is going to put this franchise in a position where they can win a couple of extra games compared to the previous years where, Tyler, how many 200-yard games? Uh, Derek Henry's had like four or five in a row. Against Houston, right? Yeah, just Houston, um, yeah. Jonathan Taylor kind of beat us down. So for Houston to be able to not allow teams to run crazy on them, to make sure that the time of possession is limited and Houston can win that battle and then don't turn over, I think this is a year where they take a step from what we've seen the past two seasons. And I think back to what Zach said, this is an opportunity for the coach to kind of just coast a little bit, figure out what they have, be sorry. It ain't going to be the Texans. It's going to be Indy. So y'all have fun with that top pick because we don't want to afford that top pick here in Houston. That's only going to make Arizona richer. This one definitely could get a little testy. Jeff Lloyd from Locked On Browns, Jake Liskow of Locked On Bengals, Chris Carter from Locked On Steelers, and Kevin Ostriker from Locked On Ravens are here. Chris, we're going to begin with you. Which team will finish last in the AFC North? Uh, it's the same team that usually finishes last, the Cleveland Browns. Um I think that they had, they did not grow in the way that they needed to grow. I think that they are a team that right now that Deshaun Watson, he could take a step up this year with the organization. And again, I'm intrigued to see what that's like, but uh, they did not have the off season. I think the other teams in the division did, especially the, with the Steelers. Uh, I'm, Jeff, you're making faces, but the Steelers had a great draft. The Browns, when was their first draft pick? The third, fourth round, whenever it was. Elijah Moore was their first draft pick. When was he picked? 
they traded their second overall pick for him, their second round pick for him. Okay. My point is this. We've done this show, this divisional show for about five straight years where I've been on it. And Jeff has said the Steelers are going to finish last every year. The Steelers haven't finished last in a division since I was born in 1989. I don't know. I, Jeff, you may someday be right about the Steelers finishing last, but if you do, you'll be batting .05 in them. In it for, for saying it for how long how long you said it, but I think the Steelers are a better team this year. I think they were a better team that we proved they were a better team than the Browns last year, especially with how they finished. And then I think that they've gotten significantly better more than the Browns have. And I think with T.J. Watt, if he's healthy for the whole season, unlike he was last year, I think the Steelers at least finished third in the division. Uh, but I, I have a lot of respect for what the Bengals have put together and what the uh, what the uh, Ravens have put together. The Browns, they have talent. Can they put it together? They've proven through most of their history that they have not. Kevin, let's try to get an impartial point of view. What do for you me, I, I think that, look, I actually I disagree with Chris on the fact that I think Cleveland actually had a really good offseason. I, I love the Juan Thornhill edition. I think they addressed their defensive line. But the, the thing about consistency that I know a lot of people have talked about with Cleveland is, you know, it's a lot of what ifs with this because maybe this is the year that Cleveland finally puts it together. But I've, you know, when I do division stuff and I talk about division stuff on my show, I say, you know what, I'm going to trust Cleveland this year and I'm going to put them, you know, at this point and say they're going to have a good season. And for the past four years, they've burned me. So I just, I cannot in good faith pick them again when I know that in terms of Pittsburgh, I trust Mike Tomlin more than I trust Kevin Stefanski in that role. I don't think, you know, the Ravens or the Bengals are in the conversation for last whatsoever unless catastrophic injuries happen. So I, I will say Cleveland will finish last in the division, but I will give Cleveland credit for their offseason. I thought they improved where they needed to. I just think this division is super talented, and uh, that's the best I can give you for an impartial view, but I'll pick Cleveland. Jake, do you think that Cleveland has to prove themselves that they're not going to be last, or do you think it's kind of a given to you? Despite all of the great additions, and I do agree with Kevin that and Jeff probably that there has been a litany of good moves for the Cleveland Browns this offseason. I just have questions about their quarterback. And until I see that Deshaun Watson can return to some semblance of form, I have a really hard time believing them. That being said, I could see two nine and eight teams tying for last place in the AFC North. I do think this is a very strong division. And if we're discarding tiebreakers, which I know you can't <laughs> really do. I could see a two-way tie for, for the third place spot, which is effectively last place. And honestly, I think top to bottom, it's a tight division where the margins for error for each team and the margin for healthiness will be very slim. Jeff, I'm ready for the fence. Well, the thing here is, and I, this is why I just want to piggyback off of Jake. This this can kind of like be like, a, when you think of a last place team, what do you think of? Somebody's going to draft top 10. Uh, you know, whoever finishes last in the AFC North, granted the Browns still don't hold a first round pick. None of those teams are going to be drafting top 10. It, it, it could be one of those things where it's nine and eight and you're on the outside looking in. It could even be 10 and seven and you're sitting on the couch watching the playoffs and, you know, finish last in the AFC North. It does seem odd. And we kind of had these conversations last year about the AFC West being that type of division. Um, and it didn't come to fruition. But I think that's kind of the feel here. But when we're talking about the fact that we're talking about a draft class, is better than two top 20 defensive tackles graded by PFF, two uh, edge players graded by PFF coming to a team 
that is better than any draft class. It's a draft class. You don't know what a draft class is yet. So, you know, obviously Dalvin Tomlinson, Shelby Harris, uh, you know, Kev, you know, obviously all about Zedari Smith. Um, you know, uh, Okoronko was a great signing. Everybody really liked it. And then all of a sudden now, Obo Okoronko is not even starting for the Cleveland Browns. And that's before you get to Juan Thornhill. That's before you get to, you know, Rodney McLeod. I, I can't do this. The Browns have a hex on them. I get it. I, I, I understand. But that's not analysis. You know, it's like saying, oh, we'll always take an umbrella with you because it might rain. Well, in 2020, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. The Browns in 2020 put it all together. I think the issue was, excuse me, the floor is mine now. Um, I think the issue was. Oh, so now you're okay with people not interrupting. You went with an incompetent defensive coordinator. So basically you went from a defensive coordinator to Joe uh, Joe Woods is currently doing what? Exactly. To uh, a big, big time upgrade, of course, here. In Jim Schwartz, a guy who has done it, a guy who has proved it, proved it, a guy who has brought a Lombardi to a city. This team is vastly, vastly improved. Um, look, I don't think it's going to be Cincinnati. I, I have questions about Baltimore because we've done this for so many years, where it's always been the Lamar show, and you know now it's okay. Well, we got the receivers. We're going to let him throw more, and the only thing is, is that's going to be the way it's going to be. Or is it still going to be the Lamar show like the way it's always been? It's a great product. I don't know why you would change it because it's always been a successful product, obviously. So that leaves me with one team to put maybe there. And look, is there one thing I like about the Pittsburgh Steelers besides Chris Carter? It is Mike Tomlin. I think every time I try to say this, that's what other people's counterpoint is. Jeff, you love Mike Tomlin. I do. I think Mike Tomlin is a fantastic NFL football coach. But, you know, just as much as we say it always goes wrong for Cleveland, it's eventually got to go wrong for somebody else. So I think this year maybe it's probably the year where the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be the odd team looking out. A ton has changed in the NFC South, but who hasn't done enough? Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons, James Yarko of Locked On Bucks, Julian Council of Locked On Panthers, and Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints are here. James, you look like you might want to go first. No, I, I was waiting for them to start saying Tampa Bay. I'll do it. All right. Yeah. Tampa Bay. Yeah, Tampa. It's 100% Tampa. Let's yeah. just all say it in concert. It's One, clear, two, clear three. Tampa. Tampa the clear Bay. thing. <laughs> I just, Tampa's going to be last. For me, you lose You lose the GOAT, the greatest living American, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. at quarterback. He was the third. Tre- the third. The third. Sorry. God. My bad. Esquire. He was, he was great for them, obviously, the, the last couple of seasons of winning a Super Bowl. Losing him and then downgrading like – as bad of a downgrade as you can get with either Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. Is John Wolford, Wake Forest, his own John Wolford? Is he any part of the quarterback competition too? Like, I don't know who's going to be quarterback. No, he's not? He's not in the competition, but he's on the team. All right, cool. Well, we'll put him in the competition because it's not like he's yeah, a worse option. As well. um, <laughs> and they, they've lost a lot of veterans recently. Todd Bowles, that seems like that could be over after this season if things don't go well for Tampa. So I just I look at them losing Brady, some of the veterans that they've lost the last couple of seasons, not having the kind of cap space where they could bring back some of the guys after going all in the last couple of years. That just seems to me to be the team that's most likely to drop off. Like Atlanta's made improvements. New Orleans now has a quarterback. Carolina, I mean, they were seven and 10 last year and now they have a actual coaching staff instead of the college coaches they had the last couple of seasons. I would think that they would be at least a game better, not going to be falling off to maybe five wins this upcoming season. So I look at Tampa Bay as unfortunately, sorry, James, I'm not really being sorry at all. The worst team in the division. <laughs> I don't know why I'm lying. I'm not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who else wants to keep on more? more yeah, I, I'm going to I'm gonna try to do this without without piling on James, because this is not James's fault, right? But here, here's what I'll say. It could be. Every other – it could be. It could be all your fault, James. Uh, 
every other team in the NFC South outside of James will be looking at their records from 2022 and going, they were seven and 10 despite X, Y, and Z. Um, the college uh, coaching staff that Julian referenced for the Panthers, uh, the, uh, the quarterback situation in, uh, in, in Atlanta, an offense that was entirely anemic in New Orleans. Despite all that, they all tied for seven and 10. Whereas with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you kind of have to go, oh, they were eight and nine, even though they had Tom Brady. So it's the only team that you really look at in this division and go, there was something there that should have made them better than they ended up being. And now, the college, the, the coaching staff in Carolina is better. The quarterback situation in Atlanta looks like it's improved. The uh, offense in New Orleans looks like it has life. Uh, but the one thing that kept Tampa Bay afloat was Tom Brady, and now he's no longer gone. So just looking at it from like an addition subtraction standpoint, that's one of the reasons why I pick Tampa to be last. But I don't think that this is going to be a years-long situation of like a decade at the bottom of the division. I think this is a small stop before a very big improved team gets on its way here very soon. Oh, no, no. They're going back home to where they belong. <laughs> <laughs> Relative ex- obscurity. <laughs> Aaron, do you have any more reasoning that's different or a different thought? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, the Bucks are the pick. Um, I don't think they're going to be terrible this year. But I think, you know, in this day and age where teams in your division play similar schedules, I think this is the one case where that slightly different schedule from being in first place is going to hold the Bucks back. You got games against Philadelphia mm-hmm. and Buffalo and San Francisco, and it's just like those are just automatic L's with this Bucks team. I, I don't think they'll be bad, but in this division where I do think it may be, you know, two or three games that separate first place from last place, you know, those three games are going to really hurt the Bucks in the long run. And t- the other three teams in the division won't necessarily have to face opponents of that caliber. Uh, and so that's going to allow them to get that extra win or two that they need to avoid fourth place. All right, James, do you, you have any defense at all? Or are you just... We're just letting this happen at this point. You're you're all entitled to your wrong opinion. And that's <laughs> here's here's what people don't seem to get that don't really follow the Buccaneers closely. They say, oh, they had Tom Brady. They still had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Leonard Fournette and, uh, you know, the defense and everything. What they don't seem to follow is the fact that the Buccaneers offensive line last year was nothing but second and third stringers outside of Tristan Wirfs. That's been revamped. They don't look at the fact that Byron Leftwich in one year went from a head coaching candidate almost to the point that there were rumors he was about to become the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He loses Bruce Arians on the sideline, and when he loses his babysitter, he loses his ability to call plays, and it was a complete disaster. Their offense all year long looked like a preseason vanilla offense. So, yes, Going from Tom Brady to Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask or whatever the case may be is a huge drop off. But Tom Brady wasn't the whole team. And this team is still loaded with pro bowlers, all pro players, players that every single one of you guys would love to have on your team. And who knows, depending on how Devin White goes, he may end up back in Louisiana. We'll see. Nope. But the, <laughs> the clear answer here is the Carolina Panthers. I am not a believer in Bryce Young. I wasn't a believer in C.J. Stroud either. Frank Reich, I mean, he was good that one time for like a year in Indianapolis. Outside of that, hasn't really been all that impressive. Your top threat is Miles Sanders, which is okay. Yeah, he's a good player, but 
Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, like any other team in this division supposed to be scared of those receivers. So, you know, it, I don't think Carolina's on the up and up the way a lot of people are, are saying, because quite frankly, it boils down to the head coach and a quarterback combination. And I'm not really a believer in either one. Coming up next, the NFC East could make an argument for the best division in football, but somebody still has to come in last. That's next on Locked on Ultimate NFL Preview. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. If you're like me, you probably decide really last second that you want to go to the game or a concert that's in town, but it shouldn't be difficult and it shouldn't be expensive. That's where Game Time comes in. They have the Game Time guarantee. That means if you find tickets in the same row and the same section for less somewhere else, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So check out Game Time and put in our promo code of Locked On NFL and you will get $20 off your first order order. Again, go to game time, download and use our promo code locked on NFL and you will get $20 off your first order. We continue our look at which teams will finish last in each division. Last season, it was the commanders finishing last for the NFC East this season. Who's it going to be? Landon McCool of Locked On Cowboys, David Harrison of Locked On Commanders, Patricia Traina of Locked On Giants, and Gino Camilleri of Locked On Eagles are here to discuss. David, we will start with you and give you the chance to defend yourself. We know who Kai believes at this point. We know who Kai believes is going to be the last team in the division. You know, I know a lot of people are going to say Washington and, and for, for good reason, you know what I mean? There's, there's a track record here and then there's a little bit of a history here, but uh, again, you know, the, the 13th ranked scoring defense in the national football league. And I think they only got better in the off season and Jack Del Rio's guy. I mean, we've been talking about this in training camp where, you know, this offense uh, that we're seeing in Washington's and it's like fourth or fifth week of installs. Really. When you look at how many times they kind of go over it and, and, uh, and reinstall things they've already installed, but this defense uh, is in like its 80th week of install. You know what I mean? So this is a unit that's very in sync with each other. And obviously we've got some rookies and some new pieces as well, but those new pieces, especially linebacker Cody Parton look like they're only making this defense more dynamic. And, and there's a lot of things and, and turnover potential and, and all these other things that the commanders are talking about. You know, if it's not the commanders, I think the, the only other answer is the New York giants. Right. But really I think that when you talk about who could, who could be last in this division, I think it's important to remember like, you know, the NFC South last year, like the winner of the NFC South was almost like being called the biggest loser. It's like, it's congratulations. You, you won the consolation prize of having to continue play while the rest of them get to go on vacation. But the NFC East, you could be last place in the NFC East and still be a playoff team. So being last place in this division, potentially, if all these teams live up to their potential, um, it's you're still not going to like it. Right. <laughs> but it could still lead to mid-January, late-January football. Patricia, you guys seem like you beat up on each other in this division pretty much every year. So is it plausible that, you know, with the numbers and the way things work out, if the defense comes through for the commanders as they have, that they could, you know, not finish last? Anything's possible. But look, I mean, it all comes down to one basic thing. And I speak from experience with it when it comes to the Giants, the health of the team. Now, the Giants have a lot of new playmakers. They've added speed on both sides of the ball. Their expectation is that they're going to build on last year's surprising 9-7-1 record. That being said, if injuries come into play and they start wiping out key players, it's all over. And that applies to any team, any team, any division. As far as, you know, the commanders finishing last in the division, look, I I think the commanders are going to be a better team. You know, I'm really excited to see what Eric Bieniemy does. 
again, I will point to my concerns over Sam Howell and if he can get it done, because I think as Gino said, you know, you got to be able to win with the guy. And, and, you know, he, I think he's right now the biggest question mark for me, because if you don't have a quarterback and look, we saw it with the Jets last year, the Jets didn't really have a quarterback and, and look at how far they went. So that would be my concern if, if I'm the Washington Commanders. Landon, how do you feel like things are going to shake out when all is said and done at the end of the year? Yeah, it's it's a quarterback driven league right now, and and I think resting uh, uh, your your hopes, even if on a good one, uh, on a rookie quarterback is is tough. Uh, so I think obviously Washington is the first name to mention here, but I, I do think that there, you know, that any of these teams, like like Patricia said, like any team just could suffer an injury and and be right down at the bottom of that list. You know, even even I think the Cowboys or the Eagles. You know, so uh, I I definitely would put Washington there, and I I I think that the Giants. You know, I would definitely be put in the running there if I didn't feel so confident about uh, that coaching staff. I feel like they really do have a solid coaching staff, and I think that they aren't necessarily going to allow them to kind of regress too much, you know. And I think regression is something that we all these teams should look out for because of a much more difficult strength of schedule that we're all going to be facing this season. But I do think that, uh, you know, they are going to remain competitive and, and, and I think the Giants will take a step. And I think that Washington is probably a year away, you know, from from being where they are in, in the mix with the rest of us. Uh, but I think the winds of change are, are, are blowing in, in, in Washington. That's the good thing. Uh, and for the first time, it feels like in, in two decades plus, uh, uh, things changing at the top, I think, are going to trickle down for the commanders in a very, very positive way. And uh, suddenly we're going to have a, a division that we could all be proud of to have four great teams. Do you know every team except Washington made the playoffs last year? So, I mean, there's something to be said. Iron sharpens iron. Will playing, you know, if they can get their offensive situation figured out, can they improve? And, you know, even if they do finish last, maybe make the playoffs. Let's look at the SEC, for example. If you're looking at a team, like a Georgia when Alabama was great, right? They're still pretty good. They're still <laughs> finishing and beating good teams. And I think that's what Washington is going to be. They're going to win some important games. And I think this division is going to be super competitive as always. It's the most cliche throw out the record book as always, right? But Landon, you're right. It's a quarterback driven league. And Patricia, if the health works out, what is the deepest team and what team has the best quarterback and Sam Howell, like you said, Landon, are they a year away? The trajectory in this division, especially you look at Daniel Jones. Why can't he do what Jalen did last year? And that offense did with a guy like Brian Dable and that coaching staff, Sam Howell. Could he do it with the Probably, but I would still say it's going to be a year or two and that's not going to be the worst thing. If you're one of the worst teams in the SEC, you're still a good football team. And in this division, I'm going to shout it from the rooftops. It's going through this division to get to the Super Bowl, the NFC South, West, North. It has to come through here because some of the best quarterbacks are in this division, some of the best offenses, some of the best defenses. So whatever team finishes last, I mean, I know moral victories aren't great in the National Football League, but that's something that's something to be proud of, right? I mean, yeah. this is a very good division, especially a couple years removed from saying this division was the worst. Now it's clearly the best. If it's Washington, if it's New York, a nine-win team, a ten-win team, could that be realistic? Absolutely. 
A strong division, but someone has to finish last. Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, Joe Marino of Locked On Bills, Mike DeBate from Locked On Patriots, and John Butchko of Locked On Jets are here. Joe, who finishes last in the AFC East? Well, it hadn't happened since Y2K. But I think it's the New England Patriots, folks. I really do. I think this is the year they finished last in this division. I think Belichick has done well to lead the team to some respectable finishes without Tom Brady over the last few years. But I feel like the rest of the division has really pulled ahead when it comes to collective talent. And I think it's fair to say that the Patriots have a high floor every single year. But I think their lack of dynamic players just limits them in this entire situation where I think Miami, the Jets, and the Bills are loaded with dynamic football players. It'll be interesting to see those Jets and Patriots head-to-head matchups. I know that the uh, Patriots have had the upper hand there, but um, I I just don't feel like the Patriots have what it takes to measure up with those three teams. I think they finished last. Kyle, what are you thinking? Man, I I hate to get on here and throw another shovel of dirt on Mike, but... I I generally agree, and it it comes back to, Mike, what we alluded to with the margin for error to win your football games. And if your script is, we're going to win the turnover battle, we're going to keep things close, we're going to outcoach you down the stretch, it comes down to that debate of Jimmys and Joes versus Xs and Os. And if you have players and talent that's capable of transcending because it's elite talent at the elite level of football, I'm probably going to side into those teams more often than not. And I think when you think about the talent that has been allocated by the other three teams, and that's not to say that Ramondre Stevenson's not a stud and that Kyle Duggar's not one of the most versatile safeties in the game. And Matt Judon didn't have one of the, the better pass rush seasons in, you know, the AFC East in recent history this past season and, and well-deserved. But I just think about the explosiveness factor and then the amount of needle moving players on each roster. And I do feel like the Patriots are a little deficient in that capacity. Thanks in part to what they ended up getting for their spending spree from a couple seasons ago and how they have or have not developed some of the draft talent in the last couple of years, which has been a big talking point for new England. Uh, so I'd probably say new England, it would be my odds on favorite, but I don't think it's a shoe in because like I said earlier, I, I think this team could have finished this season with a winning record. John, is this the year that the Jets are not last place in the division? I think it is. And the only thing that pains me to say this is I don't want to hurt my friend Mike, but I I do think New England's the team. Mike's a nice guy, but he knows. I do do, do think New England's going to be the team that finishes last this year. You know, Buffalo is Buffalo. They become the dominant team in the division. The Dolphins loaded with talent on offense, a great offensive mind running them. Uh, Mike McDaniel. I love the addition of Vic Fangio to run that defense. I think he's one of the handful of defensive coaches who genuinely makes a big difference. And the Jets, they bring back, you know, a top five defense and they add Aaron Rodgers. I don't think it's necessarily because anything wrong with New England. I mean, I think they are... as the guys have mentioned, I think they are a bit deficient in difference makers. I think the Patriots are a solid team. I think in a lot of other divisions, they'd be right in the mix. But against these three teams, I just I think it's more a commentary on how difficult this division is and how good the top-end talent in, in the AFC East is. So I'm also going New England. <laughs> Mike, do you have a pitch for us, or are you just are you in agreement as well? Well, I will say this. I am very fortunate to have such professional and cordial colleagues as Mr. Krabs, Mr. Butchko, because all of your fan bases have been waiting 
20 years for this moment right. and so they've been right. waiting for, for it with bated breath um no look i think i agree with pretty much everything that my colleagues have said and i think it's a collective talent issue guy when you look at what the patriots have done and the talent they have on both sides of the ball they don't have dynamic players. Joe is right, but they've won before without dynamic players as well. And they've actually done a very good job of making the most out of talent that most teams would look at and scoff at half the time. Uh, the running joke up in New England is that Bill Belichick can pull guys out of the checkout line at your local grocery store and they can come in and contribute and be solid players in this league. But ultimately, I think the job that the Jets the Dolphins have done the last couple of seasons to really elevate their status in this division, put them either on par or right there with the Buffalo Bills to challenge for a division title makes the New England Patriots the odd man out. And I think John hit the nail right on the head. You take this Patriots team and put them in other divisions, all of a sudden they're looking pretty good for a playoff spot. But the fact that they have three teams that are so talented on both sides of the ball is going to make things tough. But I will say this, I'll end this with this pitch. Don't keep these games too close with the New England Patriots, no matter which team is playing them, because if there's a chance and Bill Belichick feels that he can get to you, more than often than not, he's going to try to find a way to win that game, and he might just have the horses to do it this year. So New England's going to keep things interesting, but ultimately I think they're at the bottom of this division because of the talent they're facing. Could there be a consensus in the AFC West? Your boy Q of Locked On Raiders, Cody Rourke of Locked On Broncos, Ryan Tracy from Locked On Chiefs, and Daniel Wade of Locked On Chargers. Cody, which team finishes on the bottom? For me, you know, I would love to say, like, from my perspective, it'd be great if the Chiefs finished last in the division <laughs> for once, but we know that's probably not going to happen as long as Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are still around. <laughs> but you but are my life. <laughs> I will have to say, I will have to say, in my opinion, I just don't see the Broncos being as bad as they were last year. I mean, you look at how they finished, it made sense. I feel like it could be between them and the Raiders at this point. And if I had to do a coin flip, I would say, if, I wish this was coming out week after week one. Maybe we'd get a better <laughs> idea then because the Raiders and the Broncos play each other. <laughs> this may sound homerish in a sense, but I would, just, I would be shocked if Denver finished last. So for me, I would, I would say based on perspective and maybe how the position and how the division kind of ranks out, I got the Raiders finishing last. Q, what do you think? I mean, you could be right, right? I mean, I, I've talked about this team. There's a lot of questions uh, around this team, which has actually been kind of fun and intriguing to follow and cover so far. I mean, there's, you know, the, I've said it before, there's a worst-case scenario and there's a best-case scenario. Worst-case scenario is Jimmy G gets hurt because he has a history of being injured, so I can't ignore that and say that he's not going to get uh, injured this year. He's only played one year in his whole career where he played all the games. So if he gets injured, especially early on, I could definitely see the Raiders, you know, winning three, four, five games max and, and topping, you know, being at the top of the draft to, to pick. Um, but then again, things could go really well, you know, and so that's that's why this team is so, in my opinion, so intriguing because I don't think anyone has a really good idea. I think a very easy take that a lot of people have is, oh, the Raiders suck, they're going to be terrible. But I don't think that they're really as bad as uh, a lot of people think. And I think that they have a chance to be really good if – things go right for them but they have to come together and that's what training camp and that's what preseason's for is finding the right 53-man roster i can say this about dave ziegler and company they've brought in a lot of players to make camp competitive so if they have an opportunity to improve the roster it's because that they have a very competitive camp they have a lot of talent there's going to be some guys that are talented that will get picked up within 24 to 48 hours after the roster cutdowns that is going to 
you know, probably make an impact on someone else's team. I just, I, I think that there's a lot of talent on the team. So I could see the argument on why the Raiders could make, could, could end last or, you know, finish last. I think a lot of Raider fans think that they could finish last. I think a lot of Raider fans don't believe in head coach Josh McDaniels, and he's got a lot to prove as well. That's another area of it that he's got to prove he could be a head coach. He's a good offensive coordinator with rings, but he didn't get those as head coaches. So uh, there's a lot of questions around this team. So, I mean, it, it, I think, I think it's okay to say that the Raiders are going to finish last, and I think that they're okay with that as well. Uh, last year they had a lot of expectations, and they didn't live up to them, so now they got to go out there and prove it. So I think before the season starts, saying they're going to finish last is okay. Ryan, what's your perspective? What do you feel like? Who has the better chance of kind of figuring this out and who's going to have a tough year? I see these teams really tight right now, but this is the the, the contrast between 2023 and 2024 because I do think they're moving in opposite directions. Right now, I'd have to say the Broncos are behind, and I expect them to finish last in this division this year. But I'm not sold on New England West in Las Vegas being able to sustain and make 24 a follow-on year. I could see them flipping in 24 and Broncos leapfrogging the work that Peyton's putting in there. I think there may be a new regime in Las Vegas if they don't make these playoffs. So this is a preview of Part A. That, that's not happening this year. They're they're fine. They're they're good. They don't have to worry about it unless they take a massive step back. Mark Davis is committed to these guys. Just they're not. That's the easy take is that they are going to get fired. They're not. They're good. So it's not the easy take. Five wins is five wins. That's a fireable offense in this league. Okay. <laughs> I mean that's fine. I'm just I'm just telling you that they're good. But in, unless they take a massive step back, they only won six games last year. So um, you know again. Uh, if they look like the team is is falling apart and that they have no control, sure. But like I said, uh, I've I've been pretty pretty uh, accurate when it comes to their job security. They're not this this staff, Dave Ziegler and Joshua Daniels, is not going anywhere anytime soon. He picked the Broncos. <laughs> he said the Broncos were going to be the worst, and we okay. still got that out of it. Uh, no, I mean I love that. Hey, maybe we'll see you know an Aiden O'Connell, Brock Purdy type of moment. Maybe that gets things going in the right directions for them. Daniel, is that your final answer on that? I mean, I would go Raiders. I mean, I think, I, I you know, I think that for them, I have the most questions. I mean, I think there's plenty to look at in Denver. I mean, I'm just glad the Chargers have made it this long in this kind of segment without being brought up because that's not the norm. <laughs> so that's a Justin Herbert new thing that's come along with that, and that's great. But I do think for the Raiders, there's big questions. I mean, a lot of turnover in Denver, too. You never know how that's going to look. Josh McDaniels just went through that. Now he's getting his guys. Now they have guys where they feel like they can build something going into year two instead of everything being fresh. Everything's new for Sean Payton in year one, but I think when you have a Super Bowl pedigree and you've won a Super Bowl and you've been a consistently good coach, you get the benefit of the doubt there, and I think maybe that's why I'm going with that. Coming up, could the Packers finish last in the NFC North? But who were the odds-on favorites to finish last? We get the gambling perspective. That's next on Locked On Ultimate NFL Preview. We continue our look at which teams will finish last in each division. Chicago Bears finished last in the NFC North last year, but who will put up a fight to take over that unfortunate title? Peter Bukowski of Locked on Packers, Matt Derry of Locked on Lions, Lauren Cox of Locked on Bears, and Luke Braun of Locked on Vikings. Let's start with Lauren and the Bears. Who do you think will finish last in the NFC North this season? Well, you know, I don't think that the Bears are in a position to replicate the kind of terrible season they had last season though i i do think green bay is, to go back to back 
most likely to finish last in this division that as as we heard peter say in a previous episode like there's a lot of rookies on this packers team there's a lot of young players a lot of inexperience and you combine a first time starting quarterback with a bunch of inexperienced receivers and weapons around him plus a defense that every year we hear the packers defense is going to be better this year every year <laughs> defense has it figured out this is going to be the year that joe barry takes this defense to the next level and Every year they don't, and it just feels to me like the bottom of this division is going to be really close. It's going to be a maybe two seven-win teams, and a tiebreaker is the difference between third and fourth place. It's not like I think Green Bay is going to be clearly worse than everybody else, but I think maybe even week 18, Bears-Packers, winner gets third place, loser gets fourth place in the division. <laughs> Joe Barry is uh, Lucy with the football for the Green Bay Packers, unfortunately, right now. This is, this is fascinating because if you look at teams that had the number one overall pick, the average improvement that they make against the spread is between 10 to 15%. So that's like one and a half more wins. Now against the spread is not the same as record, but how many games did the bears win last year, Lauren? Three. Three. Okay. So if they win one and a half more games, that's five. So if you think the Packers are going to finish last, that means you think they're going to win five or four. And that seems pretty hard for me to believe. I think the Bears can be a much better team than they were last year and still only win five or six games. And I think that's that's why, for me, the answer is the Bears. And I actually think the sleeper team is uh, resides just west of Wisconsin because <laughs> Minnesota, that defensive personnel, I mean, there are SEC teams with better defenses than what Minnesota is going to bring to bear this year. I know All Brian right. Flores oh. is a magician. Brian All Flores right. is an awesome coach. Uh, we may talk about him in another segment at some point, but like, the, the, the personnel is not great, Bob. And I just, I don't understand how it's going to be better from what it was last year. If they won six games and punted midseason and traded Kirk Cousins, that would not surprise me at all. <laughs> uh, I don't know if trading Kirk Cousins is on the table there, but I do think like my answer to this has, it was going to be, it, I could see any of these four teams totally. I think that's out. right. Cause there's too right. many question marks on all of them, but to talk about the defensive personnel there, I, I had that same concern. I was like, how in the world are they going to make like Josh Metellus and Dean Lowry turn into a real defense? But hey, Harrison Smith and Daniel Hunter are still there. Brian Osamoah is one of the breakout players of, of camp and somebody, say, hey, second year player. Nobody's seen anything from him. I get it. Nobody's going to know about him. Um, guys like, I think Byron Murphy is doing great. Caleb Evans is the other corner. I was really worried about that group. I came away from camp a lot less worried. Those guys didn't look totally lost. And if you talk to the Vikings offensive personnel, they are so excited to not have to go up against that defense anymore. I think it might be able to surprise some people, including me. I had that same concern, but honestly, it, yeah, this could be anybody. I think I'll probably go with the Packers. Hey, look, that's what Vegas thinks. That's uh, the, the thing that Lauren talked about, all those rookies that leads to a lot of inconsistency. I think there's inconsistency with love. And when you match inconsistency with inconsistency, that means your only good plays are the ones where nobody has an inconsistency and there's too many variables there. So if I had to guess one, I guess I'll just go chalk, but honestly, no outcome surprises me. Matt, where do you weigh in on this? Uh, I'm going to take the bears. I, I just, I, 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 you know, I, I joke on my show and call them hall of fields. I just, I'm not buying the <laughs> I'm, I'm just not. I, I, I think he was a really good college quarterback. The running last year was amazing, but third and 10, third and 12 on a big spot. Can he make that throw? And I don't know if he can indeed help Evan DJ Moore will help, but eventually defenses are going to realize that that bubble screen is coming and, and knock it out. Uh, the Texans in week one of the preseason didn't, 
and it went, he took it to the house. I also think that defense, I know they added some linebackers, but uh, I still think there's a lot of holes there. So I'll say Chicago last to answer your question. And, and by the way, FanDuel right now, the, the uh, longest odds to win the, the NFC North is in Chicago, not Green Bay. So chalk is the Bears. They, those did shift over time. Yeah, it's, I think it opened with Packers and last. And also on FanDuel, the, the Bears win total over under is seven and a half. So if you apply the one and a half game thing that Peter was talking about, that's nine and 18. I will say last season, Chicago Bears in one possession games finished one and seven. The uh, the re- the regression there that is that situational mass the, re- the reverse Viking good for them <laughs> very really? reverse Viking yeah it takes a little bit of that to to go three and fourteen it does yeah and so in theory you know they're at least a six win team I think but what where that gets you in the NFC North we'll we'll see but the offense started to click a little bit last season even with some throwing there they were scoring thirty points a game for a stretch there against some pretty good opponents and now you add a lot of pieces I think it, it, like I think we're all in agreement at least that. It's, it's not clear and obvious who the worst team is going to be, and any of these teams are certainly going to be uh, right in that mix for, the, for last place. It might be a long year for one team in the NFC West. Doug McCain of Locked on Rams, Corbin Smith of Locked on Seahawks, Brian Peacock of Locked on 49ers, and Alex Clancy of Locked on Cardinals are here to break down the NFC West. Corbin, I will begin with you. Who will finish last in the division? In the NFL, you can never say never, but there's no way that the Arizona Cardinals are finishing anywhere better than fourth with the situation they're in. They got rid of some really solid players in the offseason. Kyler Murray, who knows how long he's going to be out to open the year. And even when he does come back, he hasn't necessarily progressed the last couple years. I don't know necessarily that I have faith in the new head coach that they've hired either, seeing how the Eagles' defense melted down at times late in their playoff run. I just don't know that this team is going to be able to win more than a couple games. There's optimism for the future with the draft picks they're going to have, but I just can't see anybody but Arizona finishing in last place. Doug, what do you think? Yeah, it's tough to disagree with that. I mean, if you look at all the projections, if you look at that roster on paper, it's one of the worst in the league. I think the direction that franchise, the way they're heading, they're being honest with themselves. They know where they're headed, whereas the Rams, they're in a difficult situation because they still have three of the best players in the league. So you can't say they're going towards a full rebuild. We're calling it a remodel here in Los Angeles. So, yeah, the Cardinals, they're going to finish dead last. And also the other question is how effective will Kyler Murray be when he returns? I mean, is he going to step right in and be effective? I mean, will Call of Duty come out that week? Will he get an advanced copy of Call of Duty and how that impacts his stats? No, I'm just playing. But it'll be very interesting to see how that Cardinals team fares. And, yeah, I think that they're thinking long-term. Brian, what's your perspective? Yeah, it's maybe you could start to draw the picture. We always think we know exactly how things are going to go, and the league does a really good job of flipping it on its head. You don't have to wait even a full season. You can wait a month, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, okay, this is a lot different than I thought it was going to look for some of these football teams. Maybe Jonathan Gannon can coach up that defense a little bit, and offensive line is a strength. Can they run the ball? Can they hold their head above water with – Colt McCoy or Clayton Toon, whoever's at quarterback until Kyler Murray comes back and then maybe win a few more games than people expect. And, and there's a major collapse and some big injuries to some big time players. For example, Matthew Stafford goes down, you know, what, where does that leave the, uh, the, the Rams here, even if nothing goes great for the Arizona Cardinals this year. So um, I still will say the Cardinals, and I think they're the on favorite to pick first in the NFL draft. So it's hard to say another team, but the, the league is good at, at flipping us on its, on our, on our ears every once in a while. Yeah, that's the beauty of the NFL, right? Imagine if you had the Rams and the Broncos on your schedule last season and you had the Seahawks and the Lions, right? There's always teams that are going to be better than you expect. There's always going to be teams that are going to be worse than you can expect. That's why we love this league, right? Absolutely. Alex, I don't want everyone loading on you. Let's do it this way as well, a little bit. Is it better for them to not play really well and get a better draft pick? 
Should they just go all out? Win as many games as you can always. Okay. Because that means that you've got more things under the hood potentially than people people necessarily thought initially. Now, there's one thing that could deter deter us all being right because that with the Cardinals finishing last is if Les Snead sees what's coming and he tries to make a trade and tries to trade Cooper Cup, tries to trade Aaron Donald. Like, here's the thing. If people think that Cooper Cup is not tradable, rethink that. Because you could still potentially get a first-round pick for maybe the best receiver in the NFL. If Les Snead sees something where it's like, you know what, Stafford's not playing, Aaron Donald's checked out, whatever it may be, that's the last puzzle piece to potentially get back some draft capital that you lost for the last handful of years. And that could be the catalyst for the Rams finishing in last. But all things considered, Cardinals are going to be looking up at the other three teams. I have actually argued that it might even behoove the 49ers to intentionally throw a game against the Cardinals or maybe the Rams if things go that way for them, just to make sure that that quarterback at USC doesn't end up against them inside the division long term. Look at you. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the 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 roster of the Rams right now, trading Cooper Cup, look, all those things are possible. But if you look at the future, I mean, it's the first first round pick they're going to have since Goff next season. They're going to have money to spend. They had to pay off those credit card bills this year. They had that debt. The FM picks year is over. Now it's about, hey, you got any of them picks, right? So I think, will they want to trade some of those guys? It's possible. I mean, Aaron Donald, he has a no trade clause. And Matthew Stafford, you look at the dead money and some of the cap implications that that would have. I just don't see. I think they still see themselves contending with that core one more time at the very least. And I think you're not going to just go down to the studs rebuild, but it'll be very interesting because of how difficult their schedule is in the front of the schedule and how brutal it is and how that impacts their decisions. But yeah, I just don't see, I don't think they're going to trade Stafford, even though there were so many rumors in the off season about it. I just think that they realize, Hey, he's a franchise quarterback that has won them a super bowl. It was mission accomplished with him. And I just think, look, you still have some options with this group and an ability to contend. Now it's time to look at the FanDuel odds for the best teams in each division in the AFC. Your boy Q and Lee Sterling, hosts of Locked On Bets, are here to break it all down. Let's start off with the AFC East, Miami, Buffalo, the Jets. Where are you leaning? The Patriots. Where are you leaning with this one? Who do you think is going to be the division winner? Probably one of the toughest divisions to pick here. But I think Buffalo has slipped on defense. Everyone talks about their star power, Josh Allen. You know, they add Kincaid, a great tight end, rookie uh, from Utah, I think he's going to be a factor. But I think their defense has slipped. People look at certain players and they are like, oh, Von Miller, all these safeties. But I think that they're a step slow. I think they're towards the end of their career. And you saw the end of last season, what they were all about. They couldn't stop anyone. So I like Miami. I like their star power. I like Hill and Waddle. And then they added Braxton Berrios to return punts and as their third receiver. That was their weak link last year besides their offensive line. I like Miami here, plus 290 here. I think they're going to surprise everyone and win 12, 13 games. You know, I agree with you. I think this is the toughest division, one of the toughest divisions of football, uh, definitely one of the toughest divisions in the AFC. I think there's a few different candidates that you could look at as potential. Of course, the Jets are getting all the love right now with Aaron Rodgers and hard knocks, but I think it's going to be slow to get everything going. Uh, Buffalo, I'm not a big believer in the Bills. I know what they're supposed to be. I know Josh Allen is an MVP type candidate. I get it, but I don't think that there's a, a good happy marriage going on there with Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen and, you know, the coaching staff. I just, 
I don't feel like everything is right and on the same page. I think the Patriots' defense is going to be good. I'm interested in what their offense looks like with Bill O'Brien. But, I mean, I, I got to lean with you on this one, man. I got to go with Miami uh, plus 290. I feel like that they're going to really do some things. And who knows, uh, maybe a Jonathan Taylor ends up being part of the Dolphins' uh, roster as well as we know uh, that there's a chance that he could be traded. So I'm going to roll with Miami on that one, plus 290 in the AFC East. Uh, Lee, let's turn our attention to the AFC North. I talk about tough divisions, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, <laughs> Cleveland, Baltimore. Man, there's a lot of really good teams in that division. Uh, where do you go and what do you think? You know, Who's going to win that one? So when training camp opened, I thought that Baltimore would be the call for me. But they've got a lot of injuries in the secondary it seems like every year, Baltimore and the L.A. Chargers, two most injured teams in the NFL here. Dick Lamar Jackson is going to have a great season, but I think Cincinnati is the call here, plus 150 here. I think they paid their dues here. Joe Burrow and the receivers can't be stopped. A little worried about replacing Jesse Bates in the back end, but I like Cincinnati plus 150. I, man, I've gone back and forth with this one so many times. Cincinnati makes so much sense to me. I'm still concerned about Joe Burrow and his injury history, right, and, and the fact that he has that calf injury. And I know that it's probably going to be okay, but it's also a probably going to be okay, and it's not a guarantee it's going to be okay. Uh, so I'm a little concerned about Joey B and what he's got going on. I really like Baltimore and their new-look offense. I do think it's a mistake that they didn't play their starters in the preseason just to kind of get acclimated to a new-style offense. But uh, I think that their defense will find a way to be good enough. And Lamar Jackson now has weapons, say Flowers, right? He's got Odell Beckham Jr., Bateman's coming back. Of course, he's got the big tight end that he's had in Andrews. I think Lamar is going to have an opportunity to shine. He's got the bag now, no complaints about the money. So, you know, once you get your contract, all of a sudden guys are a little bit healthier than they were a little bit, you know, before. So uh, I'm going to roll with Baltimore here, plus 210. Uh, I think they're going to win the toughest division in football, which is the AFC North. Up next, take a look at the AFC South. This one, we talked about two really good divisions already in the East and the North. The South, not so much. Jacksonville, Tennessee, Houston, and Indy. Lee, how are you feeling about this division? Oh, I love the young players here for Jacksonville. Uh, Calvin Ridley, I think he's going to be the difference maker. They were good last year in offense. This year, they could be great here. I think he takes them to the next level. Tennessee, three quarterbacks. When you got three, you got none here. I mean, Ryan Tannehill could be replaced by midseason here with either Will Levis or also uh, uh, Willis. I don't know. Who knows, who knows what they're going to do? They could end up going to a full rebuild. We know Indianapolis is in a rebuild. We know Houston's in a rebuild. Easiest call here, Jacksonville minus 155. This might be over by midseason. Yeah, I feel the same way, right? And, of course, we, when we feel so confident about a division or some teams, something will jump up, and, and all of a sudden there will be a tough, a, a tight race down the stretch or something. But uh, just on paper, it looks like, you know, the Colts are going to struggle. Houston's going to struggle. Tennessee, I have no idea what they're going to do. I have no idea. As you mentioned, if you have three quarterbacks, you have none. Jacksonville feels like the safe pick here. It's the, the pick that makes the most sense, so I'm rolling with you. Uh, minus 155 right there for the Jacksonville Jaguars to win the AFC South. Closing things out for the AFC is the AFC West. Of course, it's a, a, a division that I pay a lot of attention to as I'm here in Las Vegas covering the Raiders. But, I mean, I think that we all agree on this one, Lee. Uh, how are you seeing Kansas City, L.A., Denver, the Raiders? How are you seeing the AFC West? Kansas City checks all my boxes. Unless right. Patrick Mahomes gets hurt, I mean, they're the call here. Very underrated defense. They did an incredible job last couple of years drafting uh, for defense here. You don't know the names, but they're really good in 
I mean, the Chargers are solid. They got a lot of star players here, but I was never impressed with Kellen Moore as an offensive coordinator uh, in his last stop. So I'll go with Kansas City. Easy call. Yeah, this one's an easy one for me as well. Until someone knocks off the Chiefs, it's the Chiefs division to, to lose. I mean, it's just that simple, right? I, I just think that it's that uh, easy. I think the Chargers are a good team, but I thought the Chargers are the good team uh, every year, and something always happens. I think Brandon Staley's on the hot seat. Uh, Kellen Moore's been brought in from Dallas as the offensive coordinator. Uh, he's supposed to unlock Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's got the bag, so you know what that means, Lee. Now, all of a sudden, there's a lot more expectations than when Kellen Moore was on a, or when uh, when Justin Herbert, excuse me, was on a rookie deal. So now he's going to have to show what he could do. I don't know if they get it done in L.A. because, again, I don't believe in Brandon Staley. So, you know, if it wasn't even for Kansas City, I would still have questions about L.A. But since Kansas City's in the division, I think it's easy. So the Chiefs for me as well, minus 180 for the AFC West. For more on which teams are the best of the best in the NFC, make sure that you check out the Locked On Ultimate NFL Preview Best Teams in the Division episode. That's where you'll get the rest of Lee and Q's picks. That will do it for our conversation on who finishes last in each division. This is just one of seven episodes for the Locked On Ultimate NFL Preview. Head to Locked On NFL on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts from for our other conversations that include who will finish first in each division, which national misconception about your team is out there that you disagree with from our hosts, and what were the biggest moves made in the offseason. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to your favorite local Locked On show for the best Best insight on your team every day.